This is Monday, February 10th, the Memorial of St. Scholastica. Could also be Monday of the fifth week in Ordinary Time. Today, the first reading is from 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, 9 through 13. The responsorial psalm is from Psalm 132, verses 6 through 7 and 8 through 10. The Alleluia is from Matthew 4.23 and the Gospel, Mark chapter 6, 53 through 56. So uh, if any of you have listened from the beginning here, we uh, have been following the story of King David and then uh, David's death into the reign of King Solomon. Here we get uh, the first highlight of King Solomon's reign. Uh, We hear about King Solomon bringing in the Holy of Holies into the temple he has just completed for the Lord. Uh, This is supposedly the same temple uh, that the West Wall or the Wailing Wall that is still, uh, well, the only piece that wasn't destroyed of his temple is still available in one of the most holy sites for uh, the Jewish people. Uh, We hear in this, uh, I'm going to skip down into, into the second half of this reading, verses 9 through 13. It starts with King Solomon and the entire community of Israel present for the occasion, sacrificed before the ark, sheep and oxen, too many to number and count. So I'm thinking all of Israel, and we've heard about these battles with King David, and there's hundreds of thousands of men. And now we've got the entire community of Israel. So you're, you're looking at at least that many men with all of their families have come for the dedication of the temple. It continues, the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place beneath the wings of the cherubim in the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies of the temple. The cherubim had their wings spread out over the place in the, of the Ark, sheltering the Ark and its poles from above. This is a great visual of what the Holy of Holies would have looked like. There is nothing in the ark, but the two stone tablets which Moses had put there in Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with his children of Israel at their departure of the land of Egypt. When the priests left the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord so that the priests could no longer minister because of the cloud, since the Lord's glory had filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon said, the Lord intends to dwell in the dark cloud. I have truly built you a princely house a dwelling where you may abide forever. This makes me think about um, churches and, you know, having visited Rome and and visited Jerusalem and seeing just the absolute magnificence of these churches, uh, cathedrals, all these uh, big, beautiful pieces of art, big, beautiful stained glass, all that. And, and, you almost get to the point, and I've definitely heard it from my Protestant brothers and sisters that, um, you know, the Catholic Church is so wealthy. Well, really, it's because we have built princely houses so that God may dwell in them. And that's where that desire to make a magnificent church so that God may dwell there, especially for us Catholics, God dwells in our churches in his home through the tabernacle and if we are to build a place that god can dwell 
should that not be the most magnificent thing we can build? Really give him our talents in building and our treasure in the cost of that build as a, uh, as a tribute really to, to build that princely home for him, just like Solomon had done. So moving in the responsorial Psalm, again, it matches perfectly with the first reading. It says, Lord, go up to the place of your rest. Behold, we heard of it in Arafethat. <laughs> it's one of those great uh, Old Testament city names, but uh, we found it in the fields of Jaar. Let, let us enter into his dwelling. Let us worship at his footstool. That's kind of the picture. Let us worship at his footstool is kind of the picture I get um, when I think of uh, go into your inner room and pray in private because what you say in private, uh, the Lord will hold dear. That that saying is worshiping at his footstool. I was thinking about this last night as I was going to bed about the almost dichotomy between um, our unworthiness as people, as God's creations, as sinners to go to his footstool, to be in the presence of God and for us Catholics to receive Christ, how unworthy, no matter how soon ago we just went to confession, how still unworthy we are as creations to receive the creator. And yet through our unworthiness, Christ's sacrifice makes us, makes us worthy enough or makes us, uh, almost allowed it gives us gives us permission to receive christ and to go to his footstool and to ask things of him it's through our unworthiness that we can recognize christ as our savior that allows us that intermediary uh, to god so that we can ask him of things um advance O lord to your resting place you at the ark of your ma and the ark of your majesty may your priests be closed with Justice, let your faithful ones shout merrily for joy. For the sake of David, your servant, reject not the plea of your anointed. Um, you know, it's said that some of the Psalms were probably written by Solomon. I think this one, uh, again, if it if it wasn't written at the time, plus or minus of, of when this story happened, when God filled the temple that Solomon built, um, then it was certainly a recounting of that time. And it just fits so perfectly with the first reading. The Alleluia is Jesus preached to the kingdom. Excuse me. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. Alleluia. He still does it today. The gospel, Mark chapter 6. After making the crossing to the other side of the sea, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Gennesaret. I, I practiced that word about four times. Still knew I couldn't get it right. Of Gennesaret. And tied up there. As they were leaving the boat, people immediately recognized him. They scurried about the surrounding country and began to bring in the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. So what I imagine is Christ and his, his disciples pull up on a boat. They go to tie it off. And someone's like, oh, that's that guy that's healing everyone. Let's go get Aunt Bessie off of her mat and let's go come back and find him. And, and this happened, you know, dozens of times that people are like, instead of going to him, they go and grab their sick relatives and, and, and go, okay, hey, have you heard what that healer is? Uh, and, and begin to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. 
Whatever villages or towns or countryside he entered, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they may touch only the tassel on his cloak. And as many as touched it were healed. There's, to me, not a whole lot else of context to put into it here, um, except our current day context that says, if as many as touched as, as many people that touched the tassel of his cloak were healed, how much more are we healed by receiving him body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist? It may not be the healing we're looking for. It may not be the bodily healing, but the grace and the mercy that we receive every day if we want, but certainly on Sunday, the, the the healing that takes place is, is amazing. And in my own life, I see that um, not on individual occasions of receiving the Eucharist, but over time, as I look past in the past 10, 15, 20 years, I can see the steady rise of my faith, the steady rise of uh, my discipline, my uh, willingness to suffer, uh, all of those things. Certainly there's been as many times that I've fallen off the cliff and needed to come back for that same healing. Um, but the strength that I've received to continue in the journey to follow Christ, because he said, we will be persecuted for his name and blessed are those who are. It's not going to be easy in today's day and age to be Christians to be disciples, but if we go back and we receive Christ, we will be healed and given the strength to move forward. Lord, we ask that you give strength, healing, your grace and mercy to all of those who need it. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen.